You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's OBEHAVE with Arden Moore, the show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces. They're perfectly pampered pets in Who's Walking Who in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails. Garner great pet tips and have a doggone fur-flying fun time. So get ready for the pause and applause as we unleash your all-behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome to the Obehave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Holy cow, hot dog, you are the cat's meow. Do you ever wonder how these animal-themed phrases originated? And do they really have anything to do with animals? Well, we're going to find out today, right here, right now. I'm not horsing around. That's because our special guest is a champion wordsmith, a best-selling author, and a downright good guy. It's time to talk turkey with the author of a book you will not be able to put down. Here comes the title, Holy Cow, a girl, catnaps, scapegoats, foxtrots, and horse feathers, splendid animal words and phrases. I want all of you to give pause and applause to the one and only Bose Hadley. Hey, welcome to the show, Bose. Well, thank you so much, Arthur. All right. Now, Bose knows, you guys, he knows a lot about many animal phrases and how these coined phrases got their start. So you're in for a treat today. And to all you four-legged listeners, yes, I did say treat. So make sure your humans do so for you during this quick commercial break. So treat, then sit, and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a pause. Four furry ones actually sit and stay. All Behave will be right back. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com All Behave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome back to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I will never, ever challenge our special guest in Scrabble, Crossword Puzzles, or any other word-related games. That's because Bose Hadley won as a contestant on Jeopardy, but he's more known as a best-selling author on books covering popular cultures and show business. Yes, he's the guy who wrote Hollywood Gays and Hollywood lesbians. And now he shines his many talents on a topic that is long overdue to be tapped. How animal phrases originated. He does so in a well-researched but playful manner in his latest book called Holy Cow, 
doggerel. I'm going to mess that word up. That is such a big word for this Midwest gal. Catnips, scapegoats, foxtrots, and horse feathers. Splendid animal words and phrases. I am really delighted you're on the show, Bose. You've traveled a lot, like 60 countries and counting. I understand you split your time between Beverly Hills and Sydney, Australia, correct? Yeah, indeed, indeed. And also Hong Kong, yes. Oh, uh-huh. Hong Kong. we got to get that, too. That's very nice. <laughs> Tell us, I mean, you like to figure out how things come to be. So you've had a good ride in the world of Hollywood and personalities and people, what inspired you to write Holy Cow? Well, first of all, you know, there is a link between Hollywood and this book, and that's Doris Day. She gave us a wonderful blurb. She says, if animals could read, they'd love this. So, And we, of course, love Doris Day, who it turns out, her last movie was in 1968, but she was the number one box office actress ever. Really? For 20, yes, number wow. one. Yeah, even even though just a 20-year career, 1948 to 68 in movies, she was the most popular actress. But for now 20 years, she has had her Doris Day Animal League, of which yes. I'm a longtime member. Well, we're going to have to get her on the show for sure. But. Well, good luck, because she is rather <laughs> reclusive, but she is very active behind the scenes. She is over 90 now, and she's very active with the Doris Day Animal League which it only costs $10 a year to join. So any animal lover can afford to join that. I think that's a great cause. And you know what? In dog years, I think she's 16. Right, exactly. Right, sweet 16. (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the book. And I wanted to let people know how it's kind of set up. You basically do five meaty chapters. And they cover dogs, cats, horses. Well, I guess dogs, cats, horses, other mammals, and non-mammals. But Exactly. Well, the two final chapters, other mammals and non-mammals, are by far the longest because they include everyone else other than <laughs> yeah. our, our, our beloved dogs and cats and horses. One reason that I did the book is because I'm so interested in language and words, partly because I think when you speak more than one language, you're aware that there is more than one way of putting thoughts and concepts together. And I happen to speak five languages oh my because gosh. my parents were foreign-born, as I was. And uh, in fact, all four of us, including my sister, are born in four different countries. She was born in the U.S. But anyway, these animal words and phrases are more common than we think. It's just that we take them so for granted. But if you listen more closely when you're watching a movie or reading an article or a novel, there they are, all these expressions. And I was reading a mystery novel in which the author used four separate animal phrases in one paragraph about four different animals. And I thought, you know, has there ever been a book about this? And years ago, I read a book called Red Herrings and White Elephants, thinking, oh, this is about what I'm interested in. And it was a very interesting book, but most of it was not about animal words and phrases. So I thought, well, let me research some more. There must be one. Well, there wasn't one, not in English anyway. So this is finally the one. I, I simply wrote it because this is a book I wanted to read. What languages do you speak? I know, I hear um, English quite well. Yes, right. Okay. <laughs> Spanish, <laughs> Espanol, and right. French, and German, and Italian. And oh, it's German difficult, but anyway. <laughs> oh, Shiza, I know that. I know that. Right, where right. is oh. Vo, and Vo is where? Wait a minute, where is Vo? Well, right, where is Vo, but then where is who? I know, so I kept asking, and when I went to an Oktoberfest, who's the bathroom? And they were just laughing yes, at me. Exactly. Many words are similar, like the word gift, G-I-F-T in German, 
means poison, so don't ask for a gift. Oh, yes. not know that. I just mm-hmm. knew how to say Schuligan a glass of Weisswein bitter. Did I do okay? Oh, very good. You did indeed. And, That's you know, it. another thing, in different languages, you know, some cultures are more anti-animal. For example, in German, oh. one of the worst insults is Schweinhund. You call someone that, it means pig dog. I mean, it's Ooh. not enough to call them a pig or a dog. A pig dog. I mean, you know, not very nice, <laughs> is it? Hmm. Wow. How does your brain think? Are you thinking English? Do you throw in oh, a little of bit of the others? Okay. Yes. If, if you go to another country or you're speaking with someone from that culture, well, then you just switch to that, and that's very natural, of course. And and the fallacy is that some people think if you're learning different languages very early, you'll confuse them. That never happens. It always straightens itself out. And the time to learn a new language, ideally, is when you are a small child. Then you'll oh, really absorb it. Yeah. Well, can we go find your next book, Be on Time Travel? We can go back and have everybody be multilingual and probably end wars. Well, you know, it would be a great idea because it does stretch the mind. And again, it shows you there's more than one way of looking at the world. But but the thing also about that I found in Holy Cow, despite what Doris Day said, where she said, if animals could read, they'd love this. I have a psychologist friend who told me, you know, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> if animals could read, animals might be saddened by the fact that so many animal words and phrases, because these words were coined centuries ago, reflect that the concept of pets and being kind to animals is not that old historically. It's only been maybe a century and a half that people think about pets in general or being kind to animals. Before that, an animal, if you had an animal in your house, it had to earn its keep, like a dog, a watchdog, or a cat eating mice and rats and so on. Well, I think the 21st century dog and cat sometimes have it better than most, oh, and but okay. it's been a long wait in coming. You bring up a good point, so I don't know how you want to do this, because you threw at me some different things and phrases. I want people to buy your book, certainly, Bose, but I, I want people to get a little taste, a little sampling. And one thing, if you could help me out in, the phrase, and I'm from Chicago, holy cow, I'm thinking about the Cubs and the great Harry Carey. Do you remember Harry Carey, Bose? Yes, he was a Western actor, yes. Yeah. Well, and he, he had was, a son, Harry Carey Jr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Harry Carey did the play-by-play for the Chicago Cubs, and when they get a home run, he used to say, holy cow. Right. So what's the difference between holy cow and sacred cow? Well, now that's interesting because they virtually have opposite meanings. Holy cow derives from India, where the cow is still venerated. It's mm-hmm. considered a mother symbol, and in India, the cow was the most valuable possession you could have if you lived in the countryside because it provided so many different things. Even the dung was used as fertilizer. Mm -hmm. However, sacred cow is basically something that you can criticize, and it is usually a put-out, but you can't do anything about it. It's a sacred cow. In other words, people will say in this country or others, well, military spending is way too high if we could just spend a fraction of that on education, but it's a sacred cow. What can you do? Oh, interesting, interesting. I'm going to be going, oh, a lot, I think, listeners. (laughs) Well, you know, some librarians have told me that they really like this book for two reasons. First of all, it's so informative on virtually any page. I mean, I learned so much. This was my 20th book and my favorite one to research. Congratulations. But also, you can open it to any page. You don't have to read page one, two, three, four. You can open any page and find different things. It doesn't have to be in order. So it's not a book you have to devour in one or two settings. Someone told me it's like a box of chocolates. You can pick and choose and go back later. 
I agree with you. And that I have to confess, that's what I've been doing with your book. I've been plucking things out, but I like that. I think that's a nice style. Now, we have the wonderful political environment right now going on with the debates. I think it's a perfect time for you. Please explain what the heck is a lame duck president? Right. Well, you know, there was a hunter's expression from centuries back that never waste gunpowder on a dead duck. Now, the first lame ducks or sitting ducks, etc., were members of the London Stock Exchange who suddenly became insolvent through speculating in stocks and could no longer afford their seats on the exchange. That was in the 1700s. Then, in the mid-1800s, the lame ducks were members of the U.S. Congress who had been in for a while and had lost some of their effectiveness as legislators. And not until roughly the second half of the 20th century did that phrase come to be applied solely to U.S. presidents who were usually in their second term and were therefore, well, they'd gained more enemies and they were less effective legislatively. And, of course, the public was more and more disenchanted, as they are with any politician who's been in for a while, whether it's fair or not. Well, thank you for that. We are talking to Bose Hadley. He is the author of Holy Cow. It is a book that really explains how different animal phrases originated. We're going to get back to him, and he's going to be giving away not one but two books. We're going to work with his publisher. So what I want you listeners to do is email Arden at Pet Life Radio, and in the subject header, just write, Holy Cow! And we will select a couple of winners, and uh, we'll send that information to your publicist. How would that work? That would be fine. And, you know, maybe they can do more like five or six copies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do as many as your publicist would love. I think they're selling like hotcakes, which has no probably reference to a dog or a non-mammal. No, not that one. Not that one, right. (laughs) Well, we're going to get back with Bose right after we pay for the show by taking a quick commercial break. So sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages. Calling all pet product manufacturers and pet experts. Let the public relations and marketing professionals at Whitegate PR get you featured in the news. I'm Dana Humphrey at Whitegate PR, and we have been specializing in pet product PR for over 10 years and can get your brand featured in the media from TV to radio to print to blogs. You can find out more at www.whitegatepr.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hi, this is Joyce DeWitt. You may remember me from Free's Company, inviting you to have the good sense to tune in to the adorable, amazing Arden Moore on Behave on Pet Life Radio. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to Behave. Here's Arden. Welcome back to the Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I'm delighted that we have Bose Hadley in the house. Well, actually, he's talking to us about his new book, Holy Cow. It really gets into the nitty-gritty of why phrases came to be. And you touched upon it earlier. I feel kind of bad that animals, we've depended on them as a species for so many centuries. And yet, only now are they really getting to be treated like full-fledged members of this planet. 
and even then not necessarily in third world countries or in different cultures. For example, in Islam, the cat is liked, but the dog is considered unclean. Wow. So you will, you will go to some cultures, uh, maybe Malaysia or Turkey, and I have seen instances of dogs being kicked or just abused because they are dogs and because the founder of the religion centuries and centuries ago said the dog is unclean. And what's the cat doing? Getting pampered? Well, well yeah, if you go to Istanbul or Rome, you'll see lots of cats. But here's another interesting thing. I've been to places like Bolivia and Ecuador and Peru in the Andes and South America, and you hardly ever see cats. You'll see dogs, hundreds of dogs. And if you're there two weeks, you'll see at least a hundred dogs. I saw one cat in Bolivia, and I was there two weeks. And you have to wonder, where are the cats? What's going on? And, and no one could answer that. Wow. Now, one time I... don't w- eat them either. No, thank goodness. Now, I've been to Belize in San Pedro, and there was a phrase they gave the dogs that were running around. They, they belong to folks, but in that area, dogs are all running around without leashes, and there's very few dog fights. But they called them the phrase pot lickers. Have you ever heard that phrase, folks? No, that I have not. Pot lickers. Oh. In, in other words, they'll eat the leftovers, right? Right, right. So they warn the tourists when you're sitting at your table to well, watch your plates because they will lick your plates or pots clean. That's interesting because in Britain, there, you know, also this book shows some of the differences in English between American and British English. Oh, good and point. In, in Britain, there's an expression called a dog's dinner, and it's usually applied to women who dress in awful clothes. And they'll say, she she looks like a dog's dinner. In other words, she's wearing some outfit that looks horrible. (laughs) Folks, I have not been to England in a long time, so do not think that that applies to me. But no, that makes a good point. Now, this is one I really want to do. We're speaking about cats and dogs. And since I have cool cat Casey and orange tabby, please, please, please put this to bed forever. Please explain what the true phrase, it is not, there's no more than one way to skin a cat. Exactly. There are a few phrases where the last word in the phrase got left off, and then who knows why the whole public took it up that way. The phrase was originally, there's more than one way to skin a catfish, because catfish are scavengers. They're bottom feeders with very thick skins. So eventually, uh, people who ate them, and remember, the average person was poor through most of history, while the royalty were, you know, super right. rich and owned everything. They developed more than one way to skin a catfish. But then somebody left off the fish part, obviously some hylurophobe, and uh, <laughs> the phrase stuck, and people say more than one way to skin a cat which is terrible, but of course it was catfish. Just as it used to be, well, this is caviar for the general public. The word public got left off, and and Shakespeare used it as caviar for the general. Well, it has nothing to do with top men in the military. It's something, it means you're referring to something that is too refined for the average person, for the general public, when you talk about caviar for the general. That's interesting. Now, the one that really intrigued me was horse radish. And because you speak five languages, and one of them has a German origin, can you help us out with that? Because I'm looking at horseradish. I think that's one of the funniest words it on is, the planet. It is, isn't it? And first of all, it's not even a radish. It's a member of the cabbage family. But uh-huh. the thing is this. The English people who called it horseradish went to Germany because they would trade with Germany off the coast. And by the coast, by the seashore, that's where the Germans grew horseradish. The word for sea in German is mare. 
M-E-R, which sounds like the English word mare, a female horse. So horse radish, and it was mare which in German means sea radish, sea as an S-E-A. And right. then the English speaker said, oh, mare uh horse radish. Well, they were wrong, but we've said it that way ever since. When you were a little kid, were you doing crossword puzzles, or what was the young bows like? I mean, you, it sounded like with your family, you did a lot of travel, and you, you said your sister's born here in the in United the States. USA, Give yes. us a little 411 on, on your background, well, your childhood. I have, I have one uncle who says this I don't remember, but when I was little, like three or four or five, he said I would sometimes speak a sentence that had three or four languages in it. Wow. Uh, but, but the thing is, my father was a professor, and so we would travel, and I did grow up reading a lot. And nonfiction has always been my preference, and all of my books have been nonfiction, because I like to learn. And I enjoy the occasional novel, but that reality, including our past, our human history, and how we've treated animals and related to them, is just so interesting. And also, I have to mention, Arden, that in this sure. book, apart from the animal words and phrases, there's a myriad of info bites about animals. For example, if I ask you, what color is a polar bear's skin? What would you say? Well, I know what I should say, but exactly. you already gave me the answer, so I'm not going to say right. it. <laughs> well, that's just it. Who knew that a polar bear skin is black? Wow. It's just that each hair on a polar bear is a small hollow tube, and it emits the sun's rays to the poor freezing polar bear skin. They live in temperatures that would not do for human beings in the Arctic zones. But uh, many things like that, and also we explode several myths such as ostriches do not, of course, hide their, bury their heads in the sand. It's just that the mother ostrich doesn't create a nest. She just digs out a little furrow in the sand, and when oh. she wants to see the baby or the egg, she lowers her little head on her long neck and looks down there, and it looks from a distance like her head is in the sand, but... It's nothing to do with cowardice or, you know, denying reality, things like that. The other one that was giving me a headache, but you explained it, is why don't woodpeckers get headaches after they keep banging their head against the tree? (laughs) Exactly. Well, because, again, the head is specially constructed in such a way that it has a natural shock absorber in there. (laughs) It's not like a human head where the whole thing is all of a piece. It's more like two pieces for the woodpecker. You would think that the woodpecker's technology could be applied to pro football players' helmets, so maybe we could reduce the amount of concussions. This is true. I mean, there are many things. Did you know that octopuses or octopi are being studied by the military and by robotic experts and by medical doctors? Because there are so many things about the octopus that if humans could imitate some of them, it would really benefit humanity. Wow. When you're doing your research, and I know you you come from a family of readers and scholars, but give me some fun places where you try to find where the the phrase originated from. Well, uh, first of all, not necessarily the Internet. Anything on the Internet, you have to triple check because the Internet is not edited, unlike books. But that's the case. You go back to books. Uh, that can be books of a hundred years ago that give origins of different words and phrases, especially books from Great Britain. And sometimes you'll just find one or two in a given book, but there they are. And then, of course, you double-check it somewhere else, including the facts. For example, obviously elephants are not afraid of mice. First of all, elephants have very poor eyesight. So an elephant isn't even always aware that a mouse is near it. But that originated in ancient Greece, from some when a storyteller made up a story that a mouse went up an elephant's trunk and drove it insane. 
And so ever since, people have been saying elephants are terrified of mice. They might go crazy. And now that's a new I mean, it's, it's amazing the things we don't challenge that we just repeat without knowing where they come from. So how are you getting the word out about your books, your books, all your books? I mean, I love this one. I understand you don't have a cell phone. No, nor do I have a website. It's just, you know, basically huh. word of mouth. And word of mouth on this one has been great because when people do see the book, and it isn't in every bookstore, although it can be ordered at virtually any bookstore or online, of course, but when they look inside it, then it's like uh, potato chips. You can't eat just Oh, one. it is. It is. Yeah, this you, is my calorie-free for... potato chip. Really? Delight. Really? Yes, thank you. I mean, you can just, they all just have a peek, and then 20 minutes later, you're still reading, <laughs> although not on the same page, hopefully. But, uh, yeah, but it's just word of mouth, basically, because remember that most books that are bestsellers are programmed ahead of time to be bestsellers, so they get all the publicity and the advertising budgets. And a smaller book like this one just has to make its way, as it were, to swim upstream like a salmon. I knew you were going to come up with the phrase. But you know what? I have a bet. I'm going to bet you right now this is going to be a bestseller without all the big hoo-ha-ha because people are naturally curious. And I think you're satisfying it on many, many fronts with your book, Holy Cow. I really mean that, Bose. Well, thank you. It, it does appeal, of course, to pet owners, animal lovers, and word enthusiasts or wordies. I wouldn't say it'll become a bestseller, but it may become a sleeper. You, you know, like the difference with a film that's a sleeper, right. which has a, a long life and people tell each other about it or they go back and see the film again. That sort of thing, yes. And plus, it was done with a lot of fun because it is a fun topic. And I had such fun researching it. It took eight full-time months. And when it wow. was over, I was just really very sorry. <laughs> well, I'm done. That's that. I want to come to a party where you are because I think you're going to be the best conversationalist in the house. Oh, well, that's very kind. Thank you. And any last, because people dig Jeopardy with Alex Trebek and all that. Uh, I know you won back in 98. Do you remember what the Jeopardy question was that you... Do you know it was animal related? It had to do with financial history. My father was a history professor and I thought, oh, history, but financial history, uh-oh. Before I travel to any country, I always read up on it, and even with Canada, which is as similar to the U.S. as you can get. And I was reading that over a century ago, in Canada, animal furs were legal currency. You didn't always have to use, you know, paper bills or coins, pieces of metal. And so that's what helped me win Final Jeopardy. And I got it right, and I had to bet everything. There were two of us, me and the Daily Champion, and we were neck and neck with a lot of money. And then there was a very nice young woman. She was way behind in third place. Well, she came out second at the end. because wow. Yeah, and that's the thing when you're on Jeopardy. First of all, it goes so quickly, there's no time to be nervous. And, okay. and so because we bet everything, I won big, and she came in second, and then he came in a distant third. Yeah. So don't so, groan, and, but and, that was quite a horse race. Right, exactly. No, I won't crow, especially because I gave most of the money to a fire-damaged library near Sydney, Australia, and the rest of it to someone else. I didn't keep one penny of it myself. Well, that's what makes you you, and that's why I'm delighted that you could be on our show. And, folks, we are giving away probably 10 books now. Take that. And we're going to reach out to Bose's uh, publicist. Again, just email Arden at Pet Life Radio in the subject header, 
put holy cow and we will give away copies of this great book to you 10 of you lucky listeners there's only 900,000 of you out there so play the odds and before we go you mentioned something when you uh, let us know about your book you say there's some folks in down under in Sydney and Australia are listening to our show correct Yes, I've heard from them. They've mentioned Pet Life Radio, and one of them said, are you going to be on Pet Life? And I have to, in embarrassment, admit I'd not heard of it, and they filled me in. And then I contacted uh, you and your producer, Mark, and uh, delighted to be on the show with you, Arden. Well, I am delighted to have you as our guest. Again, we're talking to Bose Hadley. He is the author of Holy Cow. Please read the subtitle so I don't butcher it. Okay, Dog Girl, Catnap, Scapegoat, Fox trots and horse feathers, blended animal words and phrases. You know what? You can't find a better title than that. And I am so glad you could be on our show. And at this time also, I want to give a big shout out to my producer, Mark Winter. He makes this show and all the shows on Pet Life Radio happen each and every week. We have over 6 million of you tuning in. If you all just ask one of your buddies, we could double it. See the math? All right. Until next time, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there. Oh, behave. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.